0: Hi everyone, welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host Bill De And for the first time in a few weeks, we have Nick Pollock on the preview podcast. Uh Nick, what's going on, buddy?
1: Have I really missed the last two?
0: You missed Temple and you missed Michigan. Temple was uh the huh. weekend that we were in that our old pal Jeff McDevitt has the worst wireless internet in all of Philadelphia and then last week it was uh, I believe Dan and Matt, was it? Something like yeah. that. Yeah.
1: No, uh Matt and Chris.
0: Matt and Chris, that's right. Sorry, Grovich. I will never compare you to Dan again. Uh, but yeah, what's sorry. going on, buddy?
1: Uh, uh, things are good here. I'm busy scoreboard watching uh, yeah. to try to get try to will my Mariners into the wild card game. <laughs> and the Indians have just tied it up at three with the Tigers, so nice. all is well.
0: Yeah, and I think that you and I we're doing a little bit better ne- once we got the sadness uh, of the Michigan recap pod, whatever amount that we had in us, we got that out that negative energy is, for the most part, gone. Uh, we're actually going to touch on something we kind of touched on during the Michigan pod uh, right at the start. And I,
1: I actually felt like doing my doing my picture-by-picture uh, picture breakdown made that game a lot less sad for me,
0: personally. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you haven't read it, Nick did a wonderful uh, picture breakdown of the key play from the, uh, from the Michigan game, and I've actually had some people at my day job come up to me, and it was also put on RCFB, and a lot of people... Really loved it. Uh, I definitely recommend checking it out. I don't uh, use this lightly with Nick, but Nick did a nice job. So congratulations, Nick. You did good.
1: Aw, thanks.
0: Speaking of people who do things well, other than our friends over at Crimson Quarry and former Penn State quarterback Rob Bolden, we would like to bring on our guest for this edition of the podcast. He is a staff member over at Roar Lions Roar, and he wrote a post uh, that we're going to reference pretty heavily about a look inside how Penn State's opponent this week, Minnesota, started this season 3-0. and The Golden Gophers have wins over two FBS programs and an FCS team. We're going to talk about how they got there, and we're going to lean pretty heavily on Mr. Craig Fritz for how that happened. Craig, what's going on, buddy?
2: Gentlemen, good to be here. Happy to talk to you this evening about the Gophers. Yeah,
0: we... Uh, <laughs> yeah, we... We don't know anyone. Nick and I were actually trying to put our heads together. We were going like, who the hell do we know that knows anything about Minnesota football? And then it just clicked for both of us. Like, oh, wait, Craig wrote about them the other day. We should, uh, we should get him on. But, yeah, so how you doing, buddy? You, uh, did writing about Minnesota football, was it a learning experience for you? Or, like, how you, uh, how'd you feel after writing that whole thing?
2: I think it definitely was. I mean, you look at this team 3-0 and and say, oh, well, you know, they're beating some names. I-, I recognize Oregon State. I recognize Colorado State. Penn State played Indiana State a few years ago. That's a name I recognize. And, you know, I just went through all the statistics. And sure, the 3-0, and all their wins at home, a lot of stats against an FCS team. I'm not really sure what this Minnesota Golden Gophers team is right now. And every time I find something else out about a statistic or uh, a player on their team being out with injury, you know, I think they could be great. They could be really bad. They're probably somewhere in the middle.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Uh, so this week's game uh, against Minnesota is in Beaver Stadium. It's a three thirty kick. You can watch it on the Big Ten Network. Uh, and before we get into talking about the Gophers. Uh, now that we're we kind of taking some time to take a step back and digest the game against Michigan, uh, Nick, I want to start with you uh, with the first question regarding this game. Is this a must-win for James Franklin and Penn State?
1: So, uh, Chris and I kind of tag teamed a post before the Temple game, uh, deeming it a must-win game. And after, uh, it's weird because if, I, I well, while I thought I fully expect us to lose to michigan uh so my opinion hasn't really changed but at this point on especially at this very fragile time for the fan base then i think this minnesota game and this maryland game after that are definitely both must win games um if only just to keep the public from publicly calling for james franklin's head at the 50 yard line of beaver stadium interesting um so i I think if you think about it rationally, really, it's not because Minnesota is a very good team and one that many of us said was a potential roadblock uh, before the season as a kind of a surprise game or just maybe a game that might be more of a toss up than we had originally thought. Um, But just for his own sake, whether it's rational or not, I think this might be a must win game.
0: Yeah, Craig, uh, same question for you. I mean, I think I think you can argue either side of this. Uh, what side of this are you on?
2: Well, Nick brings up a good point because I also picked Minnesota as the sneaky loss of the season for the Nittany Lions going into it. But there's going to be some serious consternation if they don't show something against the Golden Gophers. And I mean, there's got to be points. There have to be stops. There's got to be something that you know people will be able to grasp onto after the game's over calling it a must win might be a little bit of a stretch in my book but it's it's pretty damn close i have to say
0: so let's hypothetically say penn state loses this weekend like uh, and again i'm really not trying if it may come off this way trying to like make it seem like any of these games have to be must wins or anything like that but if penn state loses this game i think it's safe to say that that maryland game becomes i mean franklin could be coaching for his job at that point do you think that's a bit of a stretch or do you think that's probably about right
2: now if he loses to minnesota the maryland game is an absolute must win i think it is anyway because you can't take losses to the bottom five teams on your schedule um so yeah they interesting that will become a must win game
0: well uh that kind of brings us into uh the next question and, Craig, I'll start with you on this one. That'll actually lead us into the thing we're going to talk about next, and that's are you worried about this game?
2: Yes, of course. I think that Minnesota does a lot of things that Pitt did well. They run the ball very well, um, and that alone has been terrible for Penn State. So, uh, yeah, it definitely it definitely is scary. And keep in mind they have future – former first round pick Mitch leiser <laughs> calling the signals um, back there and he can he can hurt you with his legs too as well as his arms so um, they're gonna have to get off the field on third down um, but yeah it definitely is I'm not I'm not looking at this and saying oh the, you know no no sweat this is definitely yeah uh, a game that scares me a little bit
0: yeah in fact I mean just looking at sP plus uh, Minnesota is the team ranked 35th in the nation by that metric, and Penn State is 44th. So, I mean, when looking at uh, as Bill Connolly over at SB Nation, his win probability, he thinks this game is a toss-up. He thinks a 50-50 shot for both teams. He projects that Penn State will win by a margin of .2 points, which, I mean... When you're going to a game like that, Nick... I bet,
1: I Franklin, mean, I bet Franklin only goes for point .1, though, to be safe.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: the conservative move.
0: Yeah, listen, man. Sometimes it's all about just making sure you score a couple points, you know what I mean? But yeah, uh, Nick, when you hear stuff like that, uh, like you said, before the season you were a little bit timid about the Minnesota game is that potentially being a game that Penn State could lose. You know, right after that Stretch of uh, Pitt Temple in Michigan, right before Maryland and the buy in Ohio State. So, this is a game that I think a lot of people have forgotten about. You said that it worried you a bit at the beginning of the season. Now that we are, as we're recording this, two days away from the game, ha- a little more than two days away from the game happening, how have your opinions changed since the beginning of the season? Are you more worried, less worried about the same?
1: Uh, I think my personal level of worry is about the same. Uh, like I said before, in terms of just a, I think James Franklin deserves the full, I, I can't believe we're actually saying this. I think James Franklin deserves the full year. Um, but in, ter- in terms of that, I, I'm a little more worried now just because uh, of the Michigan loss and the way it happened. Uh, but personally, I feel about the same about it because we always knew that September was going to be rough and we knew that they were going to need some recovery time coming out of that Michigan game, and Minnesota is not the ideal team to have to play a game against right after that Michigan team. So I think, I mean, and that hasn't really changed. So I think my personal worry levels are pretty much still the same.
0: Yeah, and that kind of leads us into the discussion about the game itself. Uh, And Craig, we're going to have you talk about this because of the post that you wrote about how Minnesota got to 3-0. and uh, We'll make sure to link to that in the body of uh, the post about the podcast, but what does Minnesota do especially well, and who are the players that we really need to keep a watch on? And when you mention Mitch Leidner, I will make it a point to pull up <laughs> what Todd McShay wrote about him when he mocked him to the Dallas Cowboys in his way too early 2017 NFL mock
2: draft. And, yeah, Kuiper did the same thing, number two overall senior. So there's plenty of fodder oh out there. Oh, my God.
0: Just among quarterbacks or in general?
2: Number two senior quarterback.
1: Oh, thank God. But where does Pro Football Focus
0: have him ranked?
2: <laughs> <Not> <laughs> Undraftable, actually. Uh, Sam Monson had him as – they had, Pro Football Focus had him number five in the Big Ten. So they're a little more um, realistic, I think, uh, in their quarterback <laughs> ass- assessment of Mitch Leidner.
1: Sam, I hope you're listening.
2: <laughs> so uh. to break this down a little bit, there's um, some things that the Gophers do well and some things that they do poorly, which Penn State hopefully will be able to exploit. Um, what they do really well is they're balanced. Uh, about half their yards are passing, half their yards are rushing. They have um, you know, three competent runners, Rodney Smith, Kobe McCrary, Mitch Leidner, and then Bill, your boy Shannon Brooks, also averages 6.5 yards a carry, but He's only that had about is my there. boy, sir. Oh, yeah. sorry. sorry. I, I like Shannon Bruce, don't
0: get me wrong. But.
2: Um, they have one receiver that stands out, and that's senior Drew Drew He 17 catches on the air and 250 yards, which is almost quadruple the next closest yardage and more than double the next closest pass catcher. Um, so it, that sticks out to me right away as a guy that you definitely want to pay attention to, especially on third down. Speaking of third downs, Minnesota's second in the conference converting 56% of their third down opportunities, yep. which... good thing perspective, Penn,
0: Yeah, I was going to say, good thing Penn State has a bevy of linebackers and people in the front who can make sure to disrupt Leidner and keep an eye on him so they don't convert those third downs.
2: Yes, um... Conversely, Penn State is last in the conference in converting third downs. So, um, they, you know, they've, they've been solid. Um, they have let Colorado State and Oregon State hang around. It took, you know, they took the Gophers to the fourth quarter in both games in Minnesota. Um, but ultimately, Minnesota made the plays they needed to to get out with, with victories and uh, touchdown wins in each game. So, on things that they aren't so good at, um, they commit a lot of penalties, which is interesting. Uh, 27 penalties in three games, which is 13th in the Big Ten. Yeah, Um, They're also 13th in the conference in pass defense and pass defense efficiency. And they give up a higher rate of third down conversions than even Penn State gives up on defense. Oh my god. So... Obviously, you can move the ball on them. We've seen this with some teams that aren't so good um, having success and hanging with Minnesota, but they can also move the ball through the air and on the ground. And the trick is going to be, in my opinion, assignment football because Minnesota doesn't do anything crazy. They're not stocked with incredible athletes. Um, They have a very nice offensive line, formerly coached by our boy, uh, Matt Limegrover. Um, But they're pretty basic in what they do. So assignment football, maintaining gaps, all that is going to be crucial in keeping liner in the pocket, containing the running game. And, you know, Penn state's going to need to generate some turnovers, which Minnesota has not been forthcoming with so far this year.
0: Yeah. Minnesota, uh, as you wrote, they have two turnovers in three games, whether that is, uh, it says more about the teams Minnesota has played or Minnesota. We're not hundred percent sure, but this is, potentially a good weekend for a secondary like Penn State with some guys who, when they're able to really get locked in, they're able to make some plays in the football, and maybe they're able to knock Leidner out of a out of uh, groove a little bit. Uh, Dan, as he wrote uh, on the site for his key matchup, Minnesota is really, really good, and as Craig just mentioned, at converting those third downs, especially third down and long, Partially because Leibner, for all the jokes that we're making about him, is a really solid quarterback. And if he has space to run, like when you hear about a dude who is, you know, six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounds, you don't think of him as a guy who Uh, You think of like a Christian Hackenberg type of runner who he'll run and he'll lumber and it'll be ugly and maybe he gets it. Liner's a pretty smooth runner, a pretty solid runner, and the kind of guy who he's able to pick up some yards on the ground and not have it seem like it's, you know, an effort for him. Uh, Nick, when you hear all the stuff that Craig just mentioned, is there one specific thing that you really hone in on and you go, that's something that gives me a reason, that gives me more hope than I would have thought. And can, that's something that Penn State really can and should exploit if they want to win this game.
1: Uh, I don't, I, honestly, I don't know. I, don't, I, I feel like I still know so little about this Penn State team that I don't know if there's necessarily an exact thing that I can really say this is how they'll beat teams. Like I know, we've seen them against. Uh, we've seen them against teams like Pitt, which is probably a pretty fair comparison for Minnesota, just overall talent wise. But I don't. I feel like this will be the game where I really start to figure out what Penn State, how they can really attack teams like Minnesota.
0: In- interesting. And uh, for me, the thing that Craig mentioned is that this secondary is pretty willing and able to give up yards through the air. And one, with Penn State's talent that it has uh, in its receiving game, and two, with Trace McSorley and how when he has opportunities to do things through the air, he's shown that he can get stuff done. It won't always be the prettiest thing in the world, but 332 yards against Pitt, 287 against Temple. This is a chance for him after last week and his pretty rough performance against Michigan to bounce back a bit and pick up some yards through the air and just kind of get his swagger back after getting the hell knocked out of him for four quarters last weekend. Craig, is there any something really quick? something kind of along
1: those lines too. Um, I think this will, the way you said that made me think of this. uh, Something that I think will be interesting to see is like, this is clearly a game where Penn state should be able to pass the ball. I've, I'm curious to see how reliant they are on passing the ball or if they still make a really, really, really concerned effort to try to get Saquon going on the ground. I feel like this is a good game where we'll learn about what Moorhead's philosophy is in this point in time.
0: Yeah, Craig, what are your kind of thoughts on that with how you think Penn State will approach this game offensively? Do you think it'll be a little more of a balanced thing or do you think that... Joe Moorhead is sitting in his dark evil lair going, this team is not very good at stopping the pass. Let's go let's go crazy through the air.
2: Sure. Um, one thing that jumped out to me this week in just the post-Michigan analysis was our friend Andrew Callahan over at 24-7 Sports does his uh, breakdowns, which are fantastic. Um, he mentioned that there is even more of an opportunity to get Barkley involved in the passing yep. game. And that really stuck out to me because I think that as teams are, you know, just overwhelming our offensive line in in run blocking um, and just stuffing the line of scrimmage and not really giving Saquon much room and, you know, Trace is still figuring out um, the, re- the, the, the read option, uh, whether he should be keeping the ball or burying it in Barkley's gut. Uh, I think that those short passes are maybe going to be replacing the run game a little bit Um, because I think Penn State has the talent to outflank Minnesota on the edges with the wideouts, with Gasicki and getting Barkley in space. um, They don't have those athletes that Michigan had on defense. They don't have the guy that can blow up the fourth and five screen pass that probably would have gone for a touchdown if an All-American corner wasn't there to disrupt the play. Um, So I think you'll see them incorporate Barkley a lot in the passing game, that maybe kind of replaces the, uh, comp- you know, ramming your head against the wall, trying to run up the middle when the holes just aren't there.
0: Yeah. And it's actually good that you mentioned that because one thing that kind of gives me a little bit of pause is that this Minnesota defense is really good at getting into the backfield. 29 tackles for loss. The unit is led uh, by defensive lineman Steven Richardson, who has five tackles for loss in the year. Uh, linebacker Cody Pook, I want to say. I mean, his name begins P O O, so I'm just going to say Pook. Uh, 3.5 tackles for loss. And then freshman defensive lineman Teon Devers, who has three tackles for loss. This is a defense that it looks like it's pretty good at getting into backfields and just creating that little bit of havoc that really concerns, I think, any Penn State fan due to the performance of Penn State's offensive line. And Craig. When you look at these numbers, when you look at what you have seen out of Minnesota, do you think that this is a defensive front that can really give Penn State headaches? Not in the way that Michigan did, but maybe maybe about a step behind what Michigan
2: was able to do. I think one thing that stood out was just the speed um, that they can generate. Um, fortunately for Penn State, unfortunately for Minnesota – true freshman Devers is out for the game reported yesterday. So that's a guy that had two just massively violent, uh, sack fumbles against Oregon state that were, you know, big game changing plays. Um, and without that kind of talent, it's inter- interesting to see where they go. Um, but this could be a good opportunity to see the, uh, try to bait the DNs getting out of the field and, you know, hitting them with some counters or some draws, um, Shovel passes passes. screens. Um, I I think that Joe Moorhead is not a, he's a very intelligent coach and I have a feeling that he is hopefully going to use some of this, um, ferocity and aggressiveness against Minnesota. I mean, 14 tackles for loss against Colorado state is just a number that it's a wild number that just jumps out at you. Um, and obviously Penn state can't afford, uh, anything close to that, but hopefully he's going to be taking advantage um, of that aggressiveness uh, with his play calling this weekend.
0: Yeah. And 14 tackles for loss. That's one of those things that you see it and you go, wow, that must mean they're really good, but it's very easy to take that step back and go, well, maybe they just had one really good game against a, an offense that is not especially all that great. So that's something that I'm really interested to see this weekend. Uh, And Nick Let's get to the part where we talk about uh, how Penn State wins this game. What does Penn State need to do against Minnesota to get a win?
1: I think first things first is they need to at least slow down the run game, Yeah. which I realize is easier said than done with this defense right now with all the injuries that have piled up. But I think if you can slow down the run game and force Leidner to throw the ball a bit more, then that at least forces them to play into what Penn State's strength seems to be on defense. Again, we don't really know how good the pass defense is yet because teams haven't thrown on them a whole lot. But I feel like I'm more willing to take the chance on John Reed and Christian Campbell and Amanio Ruari and those guys in the secondary, uh, Malik Golden side, than the run defense. So I think if they can slow down the rushing attack, then that puts them in a better position to win the game, not only because that's taking away the the aspect of the offense that has gashed them, but it also won't allow Minnesota to control the clock as much as they probably would like to against an offense in Penn State that at least has shown flashes of being able to score quickly. So if you can control that running game, then you kind of change the game plan for Minnesota, in my opinion. So I think that should I mean, (laughs) obviously, we want to see the run game. We don't want to see teams rush for 300 yards on Penn State anymore. But I think at least slowing that down is one of the big keys.
0: Yeah, looking uh, just at yards per carry, Rodney Smith is at 5.1 yards per carry. Widener is at 5.6. Kobe McCrary is at 8.4, and Brooks is at 6.5. So that's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on. Let's look at the other side of the ball, Penn State's offense against Minnesota's defense. Uh, Craig, what does Penn State's offense need to do for the Nittany Lions to win this game?
2: Ball security, my friends. Yeah. Um... You know, the game against Temple would have a lot different feel if we don't turn the ball over, you know, going in. Um, the the turnovers have led to a flat start against Pitt that just put them behind, you know, a mountain behind that they couldn't couldn't climb. And I think if we hold on to the ball, they have an opportunity to really stretch the field against this defense um, and put up some points. So that's what I'm looking for. Interesting. Now you know, let's Penn,
1: Penn State's oh, expected turnover margin astoundingly ranked 124th in the country.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. That's
1: an astounding. Listen, soccer.
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you are somehow unable to recover any fumble, which, listen, that's have they, not... Have
1: they recovered a single fumble?
0: I don't know. Like, and that's not like an indictment against Penn State. That's just bad luck. I mean, you are supposed to fall on about half of the fumbles that you see over the course of the season in Penn State. I, I can't remember them falling on one. I very well could be wrong. Like, there could be one I that... I think
1: the only one they kept was the Trace McSorley pass that went backwards yeah. and out of bounds.
0: I was just about to say, it, like, something fluky like that, but...
2: There were there were also two snaps in the Temple game that Trace fell on, but those are considered uh, triples as well.
0: Ah, uh, okay, yeah. So, yeah, that's like... And this is more just a general thing, but if I see... And I don't think this happened against Michigan, but if I see... A single snap to McSorley that goes high and over his left shoulder that he can't get his hand on because the first like three weeks there were probably a total of about six or seven of those I may scream because that is just <laughs> maddening. Uh, at least, yeah. okay. at least
1: last week only one of them was guy's fault. Yeah, one of them yeah. Trace, just
2: straight up dropped.
0: Yeah, I mean that's like, that that's just rough, man. Like, please for the love of God don't do that. Like, I mean we're we've kind of already established that this is a big game, so. Weird things like that happening would – would that would definitely maybe, in a game that's supposed to be this close, maybe tilt the favor uh, towards Minnesota a little bit. And that kind of leads into the next point, and Craig, we'll start with you. Uh, you could do either side of the ball, but how does Penn State lose this game?
2: Oh, man. man. Um, on defense, just not able to set the edge. I think if, if Minnesota can convert those third downs – Running or, you know, giving Liner too much time to break down the zone and just dink and dunk, uh, it's going to be a long day and a painful day um, at Beaver Stadium for all those <laughs> attendants.
0: Yeah. Uh, Nick, uh, heading on to the other side of the ball, how does Penn State lose this game?
1: If the offensive line is not able to contain their rushers, I mean, we saw last week against Michigan that Trace McSorley if he gets hit a few times, he's probably going to get a little bit rattled, as as really any quarterback would. Um, so I think if they let Minnesota into the backfield and they don't let some of those deeper passing routes develop and give Trace time to throw the ball, then that probably means that this game is not going well for Penn State.
0: Yeah, and in all of this one thing that we have... Not mentioned is Minnesota is really good on special teams. They are sixth nationally in special teams S&P+. Their punter, Ryan Santoso, is awesome. Not They're, as good as Gilligan. Not as, well, no one's as good as Blake Gilligan. That dude is firing. He's a freshman. Their kicker, Emmett Carpenter, 14 for 14 on point afters, 5 for 5 on field goals. So if this comes down to a special teams game, Penn State is really good at special teams. Minnesota has, I That's mean, weird. they have, yeah, it's a fun thing to say, but it's a weird thing to say. Minnesota's kickers are really good. Uh, they're returners. N- none of them are especially great. They've returned five punts this year. Uh, Wolatarski has returned three for an average of 2.3 yards. And Jalen Myrick has returned two for an average of 1.5 yards. So to probably going to have himself a good game. But if this turns into a field position game, it could get a little bit weird because Gillikin and Santos are the kind of punters who can really pin opposing teams against their end zones, and yeah, it would just be uh, it'll be rather weird to watch. Um, I think this is the portion of the podcast where we get into predictions. Craig, you're the new guy. I think you should go first.
2: Oh, thank you very much. Um, it's coming out in our prediction thread later this week, so you'll see it. Check check the website for everyone's uh, predictions, but I'm going. I'm going Nittany Lions, 38, Golden Gophers, 33. No, you, want, you want me to expound on that yeah, a little bit? Okay. I think it's going to be a weird game, guys. I mean, we don't really know a whole lot about Minnesota. They played three games at home against not great opponents, and they have looked pretty impressive. Um, and and uh, Penn State, so many correctable errors. Every single week we're seeing it, uh, you know, they were outclassed against Michigan, but there, there's um, wrapping up, holding on to the ball, these little things that uh, um, can contribute to turning close losses into close wins or even not close wins. Um, you know, if we take it going away, uh, I just have a weird, it's going to be a very interesting game. And I think this is a, a measuring stick for the true state of Penn State football. Um, Michigan, throw that out. It it doesn't matter. They're elite um, at this point, and Minnesota's more on, and Penn State are on the same level. So um, it'll be a very interesting measuring stick uh, on Saturday.
0: Interesting. Uh, Nick, uh, time for your prediction. I feel like this game
1: is going to have a little bit of a 2015 Maryland-Penn State feel to it, but with a little <laughs> more defense, just okay. a little more defense, um, so, I think because it's the home game, uh, I'll say Penn State wins like 34 31. Uh, I think it'll be very close. But I think, I mean, yeah, I think there'll be at least two turnovers on each side. I think both teams will gain a ton of yardage. I think both teams will obviously score a lot. But um, but I think I don't necessarily think it'll come down to a game-winning field goal. I could see more of maybe the Penn State defense just coming up with a stop at the end, or Minnesota maybe scoring and then not being able to get back the onside kick. But yeah, I think Penn State wins by a field goal.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm I'm gonna go back and forth on this plenty of times between uh, Wednesday at 10 p.m. when I'm giving this prediction and when the uh, round table comes out. So I am not. Uh, Beholden them to this but i think penn state wins 30 to 24 I, I just think they have to like i think this team it seems like it understands that these next two weeks are huge that if things don't go right that's an indictment against everyone within the program especially their head coach who if they lose this weekend, next weekend's game against a Maryland team that's going to turn that into a really weird football game is going to be incredibly huge. And I think they just want to take that element out of next week's game. So I think we see a big game for McSorley throwing the football, uh, running the football. Uh, having Brandon Smith back is nice. Uh, he's he, he's, no, uh, he's not Naeem Mortman White. He's nothing like that. But he's, a, he, he's shown that he knows what he's doing out there. Uh, I, f- I wouldn't be surprised if Jake Cooper and Manny Bone, we start seeing them kind of get a little bit more settled, especially because the speed of this week's game compared to the speed of last week's game are going to be night and day. I think Widener makes a few plays that make all of us uh, regret making fun of him for being a future first-round pick <laughs> or whatever the hell he's going uh, to be. There goes
1: the next Cleveland Browns quarterback.
0: According to Todd McShay, uh, he had the Cowboys drafting him. Uh, and his, nah, final, they got his, yeah, his final sentence when he put that mock draft together was he's a late riser to keep an eye on similar to Blake Bortles and Carson Wentz uh, oh. yeah and uh, when Kuiper listed his top five senior quarterbacks he put one Davis Webb at Cal two Leidner three Chad Kelly at Mississippi four CJ oh. Beathard at Iowa and what? five Cooper Rush <laughs> at Central Michigan so Kuiper, my guy uh, I'd say something he about wrecked
1: it. Leidner over Kelly
0: yeah <laughs> Uh, so, you, you can keep doing something to a chicken that I can't say on this podcast, but uh, keep doing that, buddy. But, yeah, I think Leiner makes a few big plays. Uh, Wolotarski, I think Penn State's going to try and take him out of the game, but uh, I think he's able to make a few plays also. And then Minnesota's running game, I think at least early on, punishes Penn State's front before it kind of gets settled. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of those games where one of the teams takes, a, takes like a 10-point lead in the halftime. But I, re- I like right now, I just think Penn State wins. I don't know if I actually think that or if I, ho- or if I hope that, but I'm going to tell myself that I actually think that. Uh, and, yeah, so I think this is the part of the program where we dive into our predictions for the Big Ten this weekend. Uh, the first game that's on the docket is Northwestern at Iowa, and if you guys are okay with it, we're just going to disrespect Iowa and not talk about them.
2: <laughs> Sounds good. All right, I bet cool. Northwestern wins.
0: Yeah, probably. Uh, then we move to the game of the weekend, folks, uh, because Ohio State hosts Rutgers, and I don't think there is a word in the English language that accurately describes what Ohio State's going to do to Rutgers. Uh, nah, he'll
1: go easy on Ash.
0: It's Urban Meyer. He doesn't believe in mercy.
1: Oh, That's his well, boy, I
2: though. I don't know.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah so, I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll go too hard on Ash. I
0: think, I think I always. I think Ohio State ends up taking like a forty nine to three, fifty, six to three lead at a halftime. And at that point <laughs> like and that's when I think the mercy comes. I don't think it's like, okay, so we can kind of just like take it easy with Rutgers, whatever, we don't care. I think they lay a whooping on them before they, you know, take their foot off the gas a little bit. Uh but yeah.
1: So my think I think for them is I think uh and this is why I think Ohio State's going to brutally annihilate penn state in a few weeks i think that if at any point this year if they're playing a team after michigan has played them they will simply try to beat that team by more than michigan beat them
0: (laughs) i I like that theory um so i'm looking right now So, so
1: that's why i think rutgers is safe from total annihilation right now
0: yeah okay uh the line for this one is Ohio State by thirty-eight and a half, and an over/under of, and this is according to uh, let's let's go by Westgate what they're saying. Uh, by Westgate, it's Ohio State thirty-eight and a half, and an over/under of sixty. Uh, so, Craig, does Ohio State cover, and do they hit the over on their own?
2: Oh, they cover. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with your more like the fifty-six to. Three to six <laughs> type of type of game.
0: All right, uh, Nick. Same questions to you. Uh,
1: yeah. I'll, I'll say it's like forty nine uh, I don't know, like forty nine seven something really? like you, that.
0: You think Urban only hangs forty nine on Rutgers?
1: I do. I like. I told you. I don't. I don't think it'll go completely all out for the entire game. Also, real quick, pour one out for uh, our boy Janarian. Yeah, that, that is
0: actually sad. Janarian Grant yeah. Rutgers, a uh, uh, kind of offensive guy who does a little bit of everything in their dynamic returner out for the season. That is that is actually oh, really legitimate,
2: Legitimately yeah, one awesome. of the most entertaining guys. He's to awesome. Yeah, he's, he's fun.
0: Uh, Rutgers has to go to Ohio State, and then they have an 8 p.m. kick at home against Michigan the following week, so I'm very... <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> These next two weeks for Rutgers football, are, like they may lose, like their opponents may score a combined like 130 points against them. And they may score a combined like six. So oh, these next God. two weeks are going to be fun. Uh, if you're not a Rutgers football fan, uh, moving on uh, to the next game, uh, 330 kick Purdue travels to Maryland in a game that even if I wasn't going to the Penn state game, I would not watch, uh, <laughs>
1: Oh, are you kidding? According to Westgate,
0: to... holy hell, according to Westgate. I want to watch Purdue win this game. Well, hold on a second, Nick. According to Westgate, over-under is 56. Maryland is a 10.5 point favorite. Yeah. Jesus. Like, That's high. That is high. <laughs> God, now I have to look at what uh, what I Bill C has Maryland 56th in the country. Uh, he is Purdue 89th and his projected margin is 11. So not too crazy. Um I don't think that happens at all because I I think this is going to be one of those really weird games that's like 45 to 42 where there's just yeah. not even like the concept of defense uh but Nick what do you think?
1: I I mean I honestly kind of think Purdue could win this game. Uh I I'm not going to pick them winning because I like being right sometimes, but I think that I kind of, li- I kind of like that. I think I-, I like that 40, 45, 42 score. I think they'll at least make it interesting. And uh, I'll say like, uh, like 38, 31, something like that. Okay. As a side note, do you think Purdue has already, as a recruiting pitch has already started talking about the fact that they have two transfers starting in the sec?
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, who goes out and recruits for Purdue? Like, is it their athletic director? Because I think that, like, I can't imagine with any like seriousness that a kid would get a knock on their door and they open it up and it's, "Hi, I'm Daryl Hazel. You should come play for me at Purdue." Like, I just can't <laughs> imagine they would do that to that man. Uh, Craig, while you're while you're making your pick, uh, I'm gonna look up Purdue's recruiting class. So go ahead.
2: Oh, it's bad. I can tell you that. Um, I'm <laughs> better than Minnesota's, I think, though. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm taking am I'm take, take the Terps. They won't cover, but hammer the over, in my opinion. I'm with you guys on this being a weird high-scoring game. Somewhere like, I don't know, 47-42, and Purdue just throws a Hail Mary to lose the game at the end or something.
0: Yeah, yeah that, see,
2: with this,
1: like this over under, I feel like even if it's not close, if it's not close, I feel like that's because Maryland's annihilating them. So I feel like that over under is a pretty safe call for over either way.
0: So, in oh my God, no. So Purdue has 13 recruits, Minnesota has 12, and Purdue is in last. Um, their uh, composite score is both 127.29 which is, I think, like Penn State had that after, like, three recruits. <laughs> um, yeah, just Jesus. The average st- average rating for uh, both their players, Minnesota, 82.93, uh, Purdue, 82.21. Uh, we'll c- contrast that with Penn State, where the average is 87.48. Uh, the best recruits for both teams, uh, Purdue's, a quarterback who is 695 in composite and Minnesota to their credit, their top is an offensive lineman who is 345th in composite. So uh there are also next to uh the names of the dudes a lot of NA's for their national rankings by composite. So yeah, that's uh that'll be a weird football game that you should not real, watch.
1: Real quick side note here as we continue moving down this ESPN list of games here. Do you see this tweet on the right-hand side from David Ching?
0: Uh, no, I do not.
1: Okay, well, apparently Coca-Cola already printed a new bottle label that says Coach O for Ed Orgeron.
0: The Coach O! Oh, yes. <laughs> Give him that job, LSU. Don't take Kiffin away from Nick Saban. I don't think he could take that. Uh, moving on. Uh, an actual good football game. Uh, Michigan, in its quest to play every single game that it has this year at home, uh, Will host Wisconsin, uh, number eight in the country, and Wisconsin going to number four in the country in Michigan, uh, according to Westgate. Michigan is a ten and a half point favorite, and the over is forty four and a half. Uh, Craig,
2: this is going to be a really gross football game. Ten and a half for the number eight team in the country. Yeah, that's <laughs> that I don't know. If,
0: I don't know if that says more about Wisconsin or Michigan. I think Michigan. Wisconsin. But-
2: I mean no one has given Wisconsin respect and where are they we some of us were talking they could start 2 and 7 this year Guilty. they're 4-0 oh. yeah they just yeah i said they, they beat, win five games yeah, yeah they just beat the pants off Michigan State at Michigan State i don't see them grabbing the victory here um but yeah this could this could be a gross game defined by a couple of just huge plays that you know get someone on top of the other i, I i'd take wolverines at home i i, I don't think they're I haven't seen anything out of them that says they're apt, apt to, to drop a game at, at the Big House. So
0: Yeah, if this game ends like 19-13, to 13, I don't think I'd be surprised at all. This game is just going to be like a rock fight for four quarters. Uh, Nick, what are your thoughts?
1: 24-20 Michigan. Those yeah. are my thoughts.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, this is... This is going to be a game It's going to be a good one, but it's not going to be an aesthetically pleasing one. So uh, we're going to spend less time talking about that actually good game than we did Purdue and Maryland. But moving on, uh, another game in the 3.30 slot. Uh, 3.30 schedule for the Big Ten is loaded this week, man. Uh, Illinois has to travel uh, to Nebraska. Nebraska a 21-point favorite over under a 52-and-a-half. Uh, I don't think Nebraska does that on their own, but I think they come pretty close. I am a big, 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 big believer in this Nebraska team. Uh, and I don't think Illinois is all that good, even though I am still the last person on earth who really likes Wes Lunt. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> he, listen, man, completing 62% of his passes. This may be the year. This may be the year. Uh, but, yeah, I think Nebraska, They this is just a team that I think is going to win the Big Ten West over Wisconsin there's just something about them and I don't know what it is you're two of Mike Riley uh Tommy Reverse Hunk's, Karma yeah, Reverse Karma after being the most unlucky team in college football last year so yeah I'll take Although, it.
1: that might that might just be karma actually That might
0: be yeah uh but yeah give me Nebraska something like I think like 31 to 10 something along those lines Sound about right uh Nick what about you
1: yeah so illinois will continue their continue to hold firm in our the last place of our big 10 power rankings Oof. so i'll say Nebraska like 48 13
0: yeah something like that uh what about you Craig
2: yeah, Nebraska i mean i'm just looking at the sidebar status here Tommy Armstrong has eight freaking touchdown passes already yeah and 940 almost 940 yards passing who would have thought Um, but it's going to be, it's going to be no
0: Lamar. (laughs) Ain't no one like Lamar.
2: (laughs) It's going to be Nebraska big. Um, I, I, I would probably be inclined to take the over the over on that one as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, finally a game that I, it actually has the potential to be a really interesting football game. Uh, but Michigan state, the number 17 team in the country. I don't know how confident any of us are about that ranking, They got to travel to Bloomington for a night game against an Indiana team that hasn't looked terrible this year. I mean, they lost a game against a Wake Forest team that may not be all that god-awful. But, yeah, I mean, S&P Plus has Indiana winning this football game. Indiana is number 45, and S&P Plus, Michigan State is number 47, projected margin of victory of 2.6. Vegas disagrees. Uh, Let me see, where the... Where did you go? Indiana. MS,
1: MSU by six and a half.
0: Yeah, and an over under of fifty two and a half. So, oh, excuse me. I think, I, I think I'm feeling an Indiana upset. They've come so close wow. so many times over the years against ranked teams at home. I think this may be the game where they do this. Uh, I don't know if that's because I actually think they do it or because I just want to see my friend, our friends over at Crimson Quarry, happy. But Richard Lago, uh, some interception issues, but he's been pretty solid. Uh, the junior college transfer at quarterback in the running game, Divine Redding, is averaging just about five yards per carry. And then Michigan State, we don't know how good they are. Their best win is over a one in three Notre Dame team. Uh, they got that lost
1: to Duke.
0: Yeah, they got waxed by Wisconsin last week. Uh, so much of this team is reliant on Tyler O'Connor, who hasn't been all that great, and a running game with LJ Scott, who, again, averaging 4.7 yards per carry, but I don't think any of us were really sold on him. A defense is really built around three or four guys. Like I, I, I just think that this Indiana team is finally able to get it done. Uh, Craig, what do you think?
2: If they do beat Michigan State, I will have a much more sour look on Penn State's chances of winning in Bloomington. Um, but I, i'm I'm with the Spartans on this one. I think that their secondary is the best that Indiana will have played.
0: Their D line
2: is the best. their d line's the best that Indiana will have played. LJ. Scott is the best running back that Indiana will have faced. Um, I like the Spartans call it call it thirty eight thirty five in Bloomington.
0: Oh, that would be heartbreaking. Uh yeah. Nick, what about you?
1: I'm gonna go to the Hoosiers because yeah! I, I I will pick I will pick a weird and explosive offense at home in a night game over a team that I feel like I know nothing about nine times out of ten. Like McDowell, Bulla, um, Cox and Nicholson are all awesome for Michigan State, but for whatever reason they I mean, for two years now, they haven't been able to put all those pieces together and create a a truly dominant defense. And and, I mean, like you said, considering their best win, which looked great at the time over Notre Dame, but Notre Dame is quickly becoming not so secretly trash. So I feel like I I don't think Michigan State's all that good. And I'm going to go with the explosive and fun Indiana.
0: Yes, and also uh, the, uh
1: I guess a score of like... I'll go ahead. Uh, 38. 38-24. They're going to lay it on them.
0: Yeah. Oh. Wow, okay. On the off chance that any Notre Dame fans are listening this late in the podcast... Uh, hi, were, Ty. Hi, Ty. Love you, buddy. Uh, if you are one of the Notre Dame fans once Brian Kelly fired, um, you are a crazy person, and I do not want to know you in real life. Uh, well, I mean, if you want him fired because of all in the field stuff, all the field stuff, yeah, fire Brian Kelly he's a bad person, but neither here nor there. Uh, so yeah, this is going to be, uh, this looks like it's going to be a really good slate of big 10 games this weekend. Uh, some concern over whether or not Penn state is able to, uh, able to get the job done, but we all seem a little bit optimistic. Uh, and yeah, we'll, we, we, we hope that things don't go too badly this weekend. That's, it's kind of sad that we're at that point, but hey, what can you do? Uh, Craig, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Uh, you definitely made it seem like we knew what we were talking about with Minnesota, so thank <laughs> you very much.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it.
0: And Nick, thank you for finally making it on to a preview episode of the podcast. Uh, the folks missed you.
1: Yeah, I missed being here. Also, <laughs> update, the Tigers are beating the Indians again, so I hate Matt.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, we all hate Matt. Neither here nor there. Uh, Yeah, thank you, as always, for listening uh, to this episode of the podcast. If there's anything that we could do better with the podcast, by all means, reach out to me. Reach out to Nick. I'm Bill at RoarLionsRoar.com. Nick, Nick at RoarLionsRoar.com. Questions, comments, concerns, complaints, anything that we could do better, we want to hear from you. We want to make this the best Penn State football podcast on the Internet. Read everything that we put on the site. There's some great stuff. Uh, constantly coming through the pipeline, and we're really working hard to make sure that we are giving you the best Penn State football content on the web. Like us on Facebook, Roar Lions, or follow us on Twitter at blog. Listen to us on SoundCloud. Listen to us and subscribe to us on Google Play. Listen and subscribe and leave a nice review for us on iTunes. And buy a t-shirt. They're really nice t-shirts. For my co-host, Nick Pollock. For our guest, Craig Fritz. I am Bill Filippo, Thank you for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. Bye.